The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. Coming to you from the betting deck. Don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. Hey, good evening, everybody. It's the guys here at Notebook Wagering. We're going to fire off a little podcast and officially get into March Madness. Hoops action's going strong right now. We got conference tournaments. We got a special guest tonight. It's a hot time of the year. We got the Players' Championship. We have NFL news. Maybe that'll drag a couple viewers in here, listeners. Boys, what's going on? Let's hit up a little college uh, basketball, and then I'll introduce our guest here in a second. Smitty, what's going on? How much, man? Just trying to watch everything. It's very hard to. So much action going on, so I'm excited. We have one of our favorite people on the show again this week, so let's get after it. Let's get some uh, hoop action and some discussions going. Mr. College Baseball Q, what's up? Not much. Uh, just trying to juggle a college baseball slate. We're starting to get into conference play here. Uh, we had a big weekend this past weekend and also trying to stay sane and, and watch the college basketball pre-madness as you get in your conference tournament uh, throughout this week. Awesome. Well, we won't drag out any more intros here. Let's get our guest on. We have live from Vegas. Mr. Tim Murray himself, who does the uh, VSIN podcast with uh, at Real Sean King. Their show's called The Nightcap. So, Tim from Vegas, I know you guys are really, really getting swamped with all the, the uh, conference tourneys out there. What's going on? Uh, not much. No, you said it. Uh, it's it's kind of a crazy time, exciting time. Um, you know, we got uh, well, WCC just wrapped up on Tuesday night, so four conference tournaments going on. Uh, as we speak, uh, all across different parts of the city. Uh, so it's uh, it's awesome. Uh, I love this week. So much going on, as you guys mentioned. It's uh, it's almost more overwhelming uh, than than the NCAA tournament. So uh, this is a week where I, I have a lot of fun. Um, you know, I know you guys. Uh, I always love the uh, the interaction we have on social media. So you know, we're we're trying to we're trying to bring home some dollars and some of these. Uh, unique conferences that people don't talk about and uh, so far so good knock on wood and uh, hopefully we can keep it rolling into the bigger boys awesome so what we'll do is we're just going to fire off some random questions here probably see what you got i'll start off a little bit we might as well go right to the vegas and uh pac-12 conference tourney everybody's super high on arizona i mean even futures tickets going into the the big dance you think anybody can dethrone them just from the conference tourney this week? I do. Uh, I don't think USC can. Uh, I've said it on my show. I think they're frauds. Um, but I do think UCLA is capable. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Um, as we're recording this, I'm, uh, I'm keeping tabs on Oregon and Oregon State. So uh, who knows how that will unfold. But, um, you know, initially I thought Oregon was going to be kind of that team that was going to be my team. And then they really just floundered down the stretch. So, um, you know, I, I did not ultimately bet on this, uh, you know, futures market, uh, just cause I, I didn't feel like there was anything that I, that was willing, you know, to bet on in my opinion, I, I don't like USC. 
Uh, I actually was intrigued a little bit by Oregon State, the way that they were playing, but I hated their draw. Obviously, they're playing, you know, Oregon now and, you know, very well could be uh, not Oregon State. I'm sorry, Arizona State, uh, who got bounced by Stanford in just a horrific uh, finish there. Uh, so maybe it's a good thing I didn't throw a little shekels on that. But yeah, I mean, I'll say this about Arizona, you know, at their peak of their powers, man, they are pretty damn impressive. Uh, that, that game against USC a couple, you know, weeks ago or week ago, wherever it was, I mean, they, they get up, they go, uh, they're long, they can shoot. So they, they've got all the makings, but the consistency does make me worried a little bit. First time head coach, even though, you know, Tommy Lloyd certainly looks the part, uh, but he's never been there before as the head man. He's certainly been to championship runs uh, with Gonzaga as an assistant there with Mark Few. But, um, you know, to answer your question about the Pac-12, I'm probably going to go game by game basis. Like I said, I've got Oregon State plus a nine and a half here. So we'll see if that uh, wins or loses while we're chatting. Um, but uh, yeah, no, no futures for me in the uh, in the Pac-12. I do ultimately think it's it's Arizona. That's that's good stuff. First off, too, I also have Oregon State, but I I bumped them up to ten, so okay. I am two scoreboard watching with you. Now I did hear one of your co-hosts on Visa, and I'm I'm not sure who it was, but going back to Arizona, they said there's like a seven bucket checklist for the NCAA tournament, and Arizona checks off everyone except for the head coach. So it does scare me a little bit, but I mean their offense efficiency efficiency so good, the defense efficiency so good. I don't like that they're all a bunch of transfers and international players, but I think they've gelled throughout the year. So I actually put a little flyer money, insurance money on them today, just in the futures market to see if I can recoup a little bit back that we're throwing on these conference tournies. Smitty, what yeah, do you think? Yeah, and I would just say this to your point about Arizona. I mean, you know, per Ken Palm, they're number two in the country, uh, top 15 of both offensive and defensive efficiency. They love the run. Um, you know, efficient uh, from from the field goal, you know, uh, especially inside the arc. They're they're really, really strong uh, fifth in the nation in uh, two point field goal percentage. So um, but yes, that uh, that point has been brought up. You know, Tommy Lloyd, first time head coach, um, you know, this team kind of came off the radar. Um, you know, I think uh, one of the big reasons, guys, that the uh, the numbers like them so much is the fact that they 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 take it two teams. Um, you know, that's the opposite of, you know, Providence and Wisconsin, they crush teams. And that, that really is, uh, you know, looked uh, favorably because uh, their strength of schedule isn't really all that, uh, uh, you know, strong. So um, yeah, that is, uh, we'll see, but uh, I, you know, I certainly wouldn't uh, disagree with the position to grab a little Arizona in the futures market. All right, Smitty, I'll let you fire away. I know you had a big question for uh, Tim involving the Northeast conference last night. No, I had one. The one I want to ask, I want his opinion on the Atlantic Sun. Um, what's no. your, I mean, first the NCA, I mean, it's a joke that they're not letting Miller Mine in, but I just wanted to get your opinion because, I mean, that's the craziest thing to me. Why? Because so Bellarmine wins, they can't go. Then it kind of nullifies the entire tournament if our listeners don't know what we're talking about here and Jacksonville state. Now they won the regular season, but Jacksonville gets in the championship game and then they don't go. I mean, and then I think it was today on follow the money. They said this about happened last year because Liberty 
beat, I think, Northern Alabama, and I think they were not qualified to make it in the chip. Tim, what's just your overall opinion on, first, the NCAA? I mean, I'd like to hear your thought on that, why they're not letting this team just go, because they can play in the conference, they can play in the tournament, but they can't go to the big dance. What's your overall opinion on the NCA or why is Atlantic Sun then allowing this team to be in this if it's just going to like nullify the whole tournament? Yeah, uh, to the second part of your question is it is unusual that they're letting Bellarmine uh, compete in the conference tournament. You know, Merrimack uh, in the Northeast Conference last year actually was the top team and uh, they did not play in the Northeast Conference tournament uh, because they're ineligible. But, you know, overall, it, it, it's a ridiculous, outdated uh, rule. I, I, it makes no sense to me. Nobody has made sense to me. What What is the benefit of putting on a four-year transition period from D2 to D1 or whatever it may be? So uh, I, I don't get it. Um, you know, I mean, Bellarmine had, uh, you know, they won D2 national titles and they've been competitive from the jump. This is just their second year in D1. I think they went to the CBI last year uh, and now they've won that, you know, conference championship. So just it makes no sense. Merrimack, like I mentioned, the Northeast Conference was the best team in the conference last year, but they couldn't compete in the uh, NEC tournament. So I, I don't understand it. it. It you know it's just chalk it up to another bizarre rule that makes no sense uh, levied down by the N NEC, uh, the NCAA. Uh, but yeah, uh, for for you know I, I do kind of a, a random bit keeping tabs on NIT births. Uh, because if you win your regular season, but then you lose in your conference tournament, the NIT gives you an auto berth in, into their field of 32, certainly not as prestigious, uh, but you're allowed in. So uh, I didn't know that Bellarmine was ineligible. So when I tweeted out that Jacksonville State had clinched this NIT berth, someone uh, was, you know, alerted me, said, hey, Jacksonville State actually still could make the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, it makes no sense. That team's good, man. They're a fun team to watch. Good crowd. Um, so, you know, props to their players and, you know, uh, in this day and age for, for sticking it out and not transferring away, knowing that they wouldn't be eligible, they won a championship and, and hopefully they rightfully so should be hanging a banner there in, uh, in Louisville. All right, Q fire away. Tim, I, I want to touch on a big East team and ACC team that both lost today and they were kind of on the last four in first four out. So Wake Forest loses today against Boston College and then Xavier has a collapse down the stretch to lose to Butler. Have they essentially played themselves out of the tournament with those first round losses or first game losses in their in their conference tournaments? Or do you still see a way that they can get in? Um or is that going to be dependent on teams like VCU and Florida and BYU and how they perform? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Xavier's in a really tricky spot, you know, losing this game uh, in the way that they did. Um, and, you know, for Wake Forest, uh, you look at, you know, bracket matrix, which is something that kind of aggregates all the bracketologists uh, and where they have each particular team. I thought Wake Forest was in a, in a decent spot um, only a handful of people were leaving them out but the problem is uh, you know Wake Forest losing to Boston College I think off the top of my head, I think both of these games are quad three losses uh, I haven't checked the latest net uh, so that's that's really detrimental to your resume and then you just leave yourself waiting out there right I mean you look at uh, the Big Ten uh, they've got Rutgers they've got Michigan they've got Indiana 
Uh, all of those teams still have games to be played uh, so they can play themselves in. Uh, the Mountain West, I think, has a, as an opportunity certainly to uh, to have some bid thieves. Uh, you know, they've got bubble teams as well. Um, you know, I, I think the AAC uh, with SMU certainly could be a bid stealer uh, if they're able to win the AAC championship. I think Memphis with their season sweep over uh, Houston has uh, has played themselves in. So and if they were to lose, let's say, in the semifinals to uh, to SMU, that's not a bad loss. So I, I think if they were to be in right now, guys, let's say last four in either one of those teams, you're just sitting and waiting and, and terrified because both took bad losses, both blew big leads. Uh, so, yeah, for Wake Forest and uh, and uh, Xavier, you're in some tricky spots, you know, just to, to you know, show you where they stand. Uh, the aggregate of, uh, of all the bracketologists entering Wednesday, Xavier average seed was 11.15 and Wake Forest was 10.76. Um, you know, so the ACC could very well be looking at maybe just four teams getting in unless there's a bid stealer in that conference. You know, Virginia, I guess, could be a potential bid stealer. Uh, Virginia Tech could be that, too. So, yeah, it'll be a, a worrisome handful of days here. Um, you know, they got to be fortunate and happy that uh, Murray State didn't lose to Moorhead State, which is right there. I mean, Murray State was in regardless of that outcome. So that was one, uh, you know, bid that was locked up. Uh, San Francisco beating BYU is pretty bad for bubble teams. Uh, that pretty much secured them into the field of 68, in my opinion. They're probably on that nine line, maybe 10 line. So that was a huge win for them. So, yeah, uh, you, you just – there's, there's the gift and the curse, guys, of these conference tournaments. And, you know, for Power 5 teams, they get the opportunity to rack up Q1, Q2 wins. But when you're the ACC and you have pretty, you know, down year, there's bad teams. And that's exactly what happened to Wake Forest. So uh, horrible. I'll be honest, I loved it because I got a Duke future to win the conference tournament. So, you know, uh, I, the rollover parlay police was uh was uh, was getting in my mention saying oh just do it just do a rollover i'm like well this type of thing can happen and uh, that's why i just rather lock in the minus 120 and just roll there and and see what happens so uh yeah seeing the uh, top ken palm rated team in the top portion of the bracket get eliminated was uh a-okay with me one of the teams you mentioned uh in that was memphis and and, and I, I like you know what you said with them they're kind of a team that seems like they're starting to put it together late a lot of rhythm penny hardway seems like he's got those guys playing well uh they're right now seated jerry palm has them as an 11 seed that would be a scary team to play as of late if they can make a run in their tournament you know if their texas matchup plays the same I sh i'd be pretty worried if i was texas if that really is what what plays out Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, you face a team uh, with with NBA talent like Memphis, uh, you're yeah, you're terrified. You you don't want to be facing a team like that. Um, yeah, so I, you know, it depends on what they do in the AAC tournament. If they go out and win it, uh, it'll be interesting to see what the the, the sky is for them. Considering they would likely uh, beat SMU and Houston, so two huge wins and a three game sweep of Houston. I'd be curious though when it comes to the AAC guys. Not to say that Memphis – see, I so I really wanted to fade Houston in the conference tournament because, you know, with Sasser out, uh, they just have no depth. And, you know, Kelvin Sampson, I, I think, would look at 
a situation of playing three games in three days with no depth is not being very ideal for the ultimate goal, right? They're a final four team just a year ago, but I look at their side of the bracket and I'm thinking who can beat them. Maybe Cincinnati could trick them up, up top. Uh, and then, you know, in the championship game, if it's SMU, there's going to be a sense of desperation there for SMU. I think des- SMU probably has to win this conference tournament to get into the field. So you know, I, I think that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to see. Obviously, SMU beat them once before. Um, so I was thinking about playing the no here at Circa on uh, on Houston to win the conference tournament at some plus money. Um, but I just I feel like probably the proper route to go would be just to fade them in the AAC championship game uh, if that unfolds that way. So I'll wait back just because. I just think that top portion of the bracket is, is so weak. Maybe Cincinnati will surprise me, uh, but I, you know, two lanes playing a little better. Um, but yeah. Uh, but to answer your question, I think Memphis, if they're on that 10 line, man, the talent that they have <laughs> would not be a fun matchup for, for a lot of teams. You know, you face a, trying to look at some of the seven seeds right now, you know, you face Colorado state who I like, I mean, that's, it's not a great matchup there. I think athletically there for, uh, you know, for Colorado state against a team like Memphis. Very well said. Tim, your info is spot on. So the last four in right now for uh, Lenardi has Xavier as the last four in, SMU as the last four in. So this is a huge tournament for Mm -hmm. SMU. I mean, like you said, if they win, I mean, they're a lock. But I think if they get to the title game, I think they'll sneak in as one of those 12 play-ins. Yeah, and I think I, I think you you look at how people will you know the committee will look at it and 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 that was prior to today or to, prior to these whenever people are listening to this but prior to the losses uh, that we saw that were handed to Xavier against the you know you know I, I know Butler was dealing with injuries early on in the year and they're a little healthier and I'm kicking myself I really like Butler and I didn't play him catching six and a half but you know that you, you live to, to to bet another day. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at Wake losing to, uh, to Boston College. So if SMU beats Memphis, uh, to your point, I, I think they're in pretty good shape because that's, you know, it's a really good win. That's a tournament team. That's a, I don't know if it'll be Q1, might be. Uh, like I said, I don't have the net rankings in front of me. But, um, yeah, I, I think I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think if SMU gets to the AAC championship game, remember, that game happens on Sunday. So you kind of have to have the bracket pretty much figured out by then you know so um yeah we'll see i I think my guess would be this if smu beats memphis and loses to houston they're going to dayton in the first four i'll be rooting against smu study i actually have a ticket on memphis to win oh there you go there you go yeah and i have a futures on them for the big tourney so i got a more of a fun question here for you so i know you bust your co-host Sean King's chops all the time about the Dukies. <laughs> Smitty loves to fade the Dukies. So since your uh, allegiance is to the Muhlenberg Mules, but they're obviously not getting into the dance, who are you riding with this year? This week, uh, I'm riding with my pockets. So I'm riding with Duke. I'm riding with Northern Colorado. I'm riding with Providence. I'm riding with, uh, is that it? I think those are the three I've got alive. And, and, you know, the Duke one, you know, it's funny because Sean is, you know, Captain Duke, like you mentioned, and then he's, you know, fading them after, you know, one poor performance 
when when Coach K walked to that microphone and gave his stern lecture to the 9,300 in attendance at Cameron Indoor, I was like, I'm betting on them more, man. I, I just I feel like that team is going to be laser focused. Uh, and then, you know, dominoes have been falling. Wake Forest bounced in the first round. I already played it, but fortunately, Wake Forest bounced in the first round. They were the best team in the top half of the port bracket. Syracuse obliterates Florida State, but Buddy Beheim's throwing punches. I think he's been suspended if uh, yeah. I think I saw that. So, I mean, and, and Duke already went to carry the Carrier Dome and won by a gajillion. Um, so then the bottom portion of the bracket, look, Will UNC emerge? They should, but will they? I don't know. I mean, this team lost at home to Pittsburgh. So, I mean, that's a just just, just disgusting loss. Uh, I think Notre Dame, who I'm obviously a fan of uh, for their football program, and I like their basketball team. I think they're. I think Duke is a horrible matchup for the Irish. I think they're too big. I think they'll bully them. You look at how they played when they went to South Bend. I think Notre Dame was held to like 40-some-odd points. Uh, Virginia Tech could be tricky, but – that would be their fourth game in four days. Uh, Virginia, same. So I, I just – I liked the value on Duke at minus 120, 125, depending on, on when you were able to get it. And I felt like it, this was going to be a motivated team. Now we'll see. Uh, but they've played well, guys, on neutral floors this year, right? They opened the season beating Kentucky on a neutral. They beat Gonzaga on a neutral. Uh, I think there's a little bit less pressure away from Cameron Indoor and uh, I think that loss to UNC and the way that they played kind of woke them up and uh, I'll be pulling for them. And then, yeah, a couple other flyers. I like the bracket for Providence. You know, I've been fading Providence probably too much this year. Uh, but, you know, the Villanova loss got me invigorated by Providence. Uh, I was really impressed. They're tough as hell. Love Ed Cooley and the bracket. Right. If you just saw Butler beat Xavier. So now. Um, you know, they got a lighter matchup there in the first round and uh, Creighton's without Nemhart, which I think they're a completely different team without him. And, uh, and then you look at Marquette and they're kind of as on the same luck factor as Providence. So look, if we get to a championship game at plus six fifty in our pockets, I'm happy. And then uh, we'll figure out what to do from there. So those are the three teams I'll be pulling for, uh, this week. And then I've got a long shot flyer. On uh, and by the time people listen to this, they might have lost to Old Dominion. But I've got a long shot flyer on UTEP to win the CUSA at sixty to one. Wow, I love that. I like that. That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> Tim. How about real quick? Because we over the last couple of weeks, we've really talked about the Mountain West. I know Matt. Matt really wants Wyoming in because he has a T-shirt. He wants to pack his cowboy hat for the trip next week out to <laughs> Vegas. He wants to be sitting out there. I'm going to take a picture with him. I can't wait. So please get in Wyoming. Who do you like? I jumped on San Diego State last night uh, on a ticket to win um, that conference championship. I just like how they've been playing. But man, that's a great that's a great leg. I mean, we've talked about Colorado State, Wyoming, San Diego State. UNLV has been playing extremely well. Nevada's got some guys back. They got a win today. Who do you like? I know you've mentioned already about Colorado State, but who do you like in that that conference championship? Yeah, um, it is. Uh, if I had, to, I have to make a bet. I, I think about UNLV. I know it's kind of trendy. Uh, they're around eight fifty or so uh, to win it all. Um, you know, in a tricky matchup against the Pokes in that first round, they've played them well. I think what what intrigues me about UNLV at the price that they're at, right? Uh, they, you know, they're not in a situation where 
they're having to play four games in four days. There's no disadvantage in that regard. So it's same playing field. Obviously, they're playing at home uh, at the Thomas and Mack Center. And I think they have the best player in the conference, talent-wise, in Bryce Hamilton. So if you can give me the best player in the conference, I like that. Um, you know, if, if, if all things are equal uh, on a level playing field, no odds involved, I'd probably say a little chalky. I'd say Boise State and, uh, and San Diego State. You know, the, the worry I have about San Diego State, so good defensively, but they essentially need Matt Bradley to go nuclear like every game. You know, which he can do. Uh, I mean, what was it? Uh, the game at Wyoming, they were laying two. He goes crazy and they, and they win that game going away, which was a very that was a trendy dog situation. And uh, and San Diego State went there and, and took care of business. So um, I, I, I can't disagree. Honestly, if you told me I'm on Boise State, I'm on UNLV, I'm on Wyoming, I'm on Colorado State, I'm on San Diego State. I'd be like, I, I can't disagree. I mean, that conference is so closely contested so if i were to make a play i would just take the longer odds in unlv um but i mean i mean hell fresno state could give you know some teams uh some tough some tough tests um so yeah it's going to be a fascinating tournament i'll be there on uh, on thursday catching out the early games uh boise and nevada and then unlv wyoming so looking forward to that uh but yeah i'm, I'm riding into the mountain west with no tickets in pocket right now Dude, what else do you have for him? Anything? No, that's it. Uh, I know we're kind of coming on the time, um, so I, I, I'll, I'll probably just talk to you out in Vegas if uh, we meet up. <laughs> Tim, do you wow. have anything um, anything jumping off before we let you go? Is there anything jumping off the page for tomorrow uh, that you really think you're going to play or your eyes are on it? Uh, let me pull up the board real quick. Um, <laughs> Well, there's certainly a bit of a fishy, uh, stinky line, in my opinion. Uh, Michigan State only laying three against Maryland uh, kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit, uh, considering these two teams just played and Michigan State won that game by 10, uh, and yet that game is sitting there at three. So that, uh, that, that raised the antennas uh, just a little bit on that one, and uh, – yeah, I would say as of right now, that's the only one that's jumping out as I kind of scroll through it here. Um, yeah, but uh, I haven't decided if I'll, I'll ride with that one, but that one was like, oh, okay, Michigan State, only three. Interesting. Uh, I will keep an eye on that one. But, uh, yeah, and then, you know, I, I'd be curious, uh, you know, how, how are these teams that just played how are they going to respond you know what's that providence butler line going to be butler coming off an overtime game you know 24 hours later they're back at it so you, you do wonder if the fatigue sets in uh a little bit with these uh with these teams uh that have to play these you know these these hard-fought games so uh the only one that's early jumping at me would be uh yeah would be Maryland a little bit catching the three. It just seems like uh, it seems like the books are begging you to take the Spartans. All right, Tim, I got two quick points. First, we can rip up our Oregon State tickets. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's usually not the greatest idea to back a team that's three and 27 has lost 17 in a row. But, you know, sometimes you got to live and uh, yeah. we live incorrectly. <laughs> Correct. And uh Jason couldn't make the podcast, but he wanted me to ask you a question tonight. He said, as a former Hooper, and with all these tournaments going on in the career, 
crazy atmosphere. What is the craziest crowd that you played in front of? Well, full disclosure, I played, you know, D3 hoops. So it wasn't, uh, wasn't all that, uh, all that wild. I'm trying to think if there were some high school ones that were, that were good. I, unfortunately I played at a pretty small high school, so we didn't really get the, uh, the liveliest atmosphere. Um, I got to think of some good ones. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll say this, uh, my freshman year, uh, we were in the conference that I played in, it's called the Centennial Conference. Um, you know, most notably team is Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. Uh, but we played uh, every year. It's, they have 10 teams and then uh, they have a four or five matchup. And then the playoffs, you know, kick off the following weekend. So midweek, uh, we went down to a school called Washington in Chestertown, Maryland. Uh, and they were known for really having one of the best atmospheres uh, in in in, uh, in that conference. And, uh, you know, it being a Wednesday night and we had, a, you know, a bus that brought students down from uh, from Muhlenberg. Uh, it was it was a great atmosphere. We ended up losing that game, uh, but it was a hell of a game, uh, you know, back and forth. Uh, certainly nothing like we saw in uh, in the Wagner Bryant situation, uh, fortunately. Uh, but that was probably, if I my memory serves me correctly, I mean, you got some sleepy atmospheres, uh, midweek games uh, in my conference for the most part. You know, the conference championship and the conference tournament was always pretty good. My final game was a semifinal game on the road uh, against a, a nationally ranked team. So that was that was a pretty good atmosphere, uh, you know, ebbs and flows in that one. But I would say the best atmosphere in my recollection was that 4-5 game, really small, intimate gym. And uh, Washington fans were always known to to be pretty loud as well. And then we brought a pretty big contingent too. So that was uh, that was fun. And uh, your boy proudly played zero minutes in that game. So you know, uh, I got to watch a really fun game. Ah, <laughs> oh, awesome! Hey Tim, thanks for stopping by. We'll let you go. We know you're extremely busy. Uh, just give you a quick shout out here, everybody. Give him a follow. He's at one Tim Murray on Twitter. Runs the podcast on VSIN called The Nightcap with uh, at Real Sean King. Give him a listen. Give him a look. Thanks for dropping by. We appreciate all your time and knowledge, man. All right, fellas. Have a have a good uh, March Madness. We'll reach out to you for next week. Sounds good. Look forward to it. All right, Tim. Take care. All right, boys. Now we can just spit fire away. That guy's awesome. Hope we can actually meet up with him and have a beer. M maybe in my cowboy hat. Uh, <laughs> gotta see in that cowboy hat man i'm pulling for you oh me too buddy i, I the only problem is i can't pack it i gotta carry it on and whatnot. <laughs> it's it's massive so and I just, wanna, I just want to tell the audience real quick so what what game was that i mean i'm such a jerk sometimes i, I wrote matt i said hey you're not gonna be packing that hat don't no. worry. <laughs> I, I think they lost to UNLV recently and they got that. They lost, I think, three in a row. So, well, it was lucky. I think they got that one in OT the other night. They I did. can't remember who that was against, but yeah, they um, they locked out right now. Lenardi has them in one of the 12 play ins, but Jerry Palm has them in as a like a like a nine seed, I think, which I would love. So, all right, what do you guys want to cover next? We want to cover some golf, keep talking more hoops, or Q, you want to fire off some college baseball? Yeah, before I get to baseball, I know we kind of want to make that a weekly thing um, and kind of grow the sport, but I just wanted to finish off my point. And I didn't necessarily need to say it to Tim because I know we we're on a time constraint, but 
you know, just the conversation we've had, you know, in our group chats and, and pre-recording this and then with Tim, you know, some of his answers. And then, you know, I listen, I'm a pretty big Barstool fan. So I listen to their podcast, Pick Central. And, you know, credit to Brandon Walker for saying this because I was thinking it. This tournament is wide open. You know, when I brought up that that 10 or 11 seed, you know, potential Memphis, when you're looking at teams like Ohio State, Iowa State are your seventh ranked teams. And then Memphis you know, is 11, even to six, like Houston. Now, obviously, they don't have Sasser, but they're still dangerous. When you have teams that can easily go on a run and make a six-game run, um, it, you know, in the bat of an eye, and we wouldn't be surprised. Like, this might be one of the most wide-open tournaments in my 28 years of living on this earth. I mean, I can't definitively say there's two teams that are just going to run to the finals, you know, with ease. So I, I just thought that was an interesting point that I've been hearing throughout the week, and it seems to be, you know, coming true. I agree with you. I don't, I don't think the top five are locks to make the final four. That's why I've been dabbling so much in these futures, and I wrote my futures down for you guys. So in the past week, I've added Arizona just basically as insurance because they check off the most uh, buckets. I added UCLA. I think they're a team. If Juzang gets back, I know it's so hard to repeat and get back to the final four. I threw a little money on them. I added Duke within the past two weeks because you got the Krzyzewski factor. Tim nailed it after the conference. I think they're actually going to go in more motivated than if they would have won that game. I have Arkansas because they're a hot team, maybe catch a flyer. I added Wisconsin. Now that ticket will drop severely if Davis can't play. And then, and then earlier in the year, I uh, actually got great numbers on Auburn, Memphis, and Kansas. Now, Memphis would be better to grab now, but obviously I, I'll take a live ticket any way, shape, or form going into this tournament. Yeah, the only one, you know, I said was I took Duke, and I've kind of said the reasons why, and I agree with what Tim said, and you guys just talked about there. I think they're going to be motivated. I think that was a, an eye-opener for them. You know, it's just so funny. We're talking, Dr. Brent just called me right before the show and he was asking me, he's like, well, who do you think could win this? And I said, well, I got Duke. And he goes, have you played any other tickets? And I said, no. I said, you know, Arizona would be one. I think they can win it. I like them. I like Kentucky. I have said Kentucky. I'd probably take a, a ticket on Kentucky here too. And I'm probably going to add here. And then I said, you know, I want to find a flyer like on somebody. And there's something just about the Villanova team I like. And I might take a flyer on Villanova, maybe a final four or to win it and just have the ticket. There's something about very well coached team. Really like them. Now, again, they shoot a lot of threes. Um, they don't have the greatest size, but there's just something about that team. I really like, you know, Matt, I agree with you. I think UCLA, you know, I think at times they don't look great, but you know, Campbell's a really good point guard. Uzan, if he comes back, um, I'm forgetting the other kid that is really good on that team that can really put in some points too. I like that team, you know, I may say it again. I may Hawkes. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's yeah. Very good player plays like <laughs> to me reminds, I mean, just so fundamentally sound, but he looks like a guy that plays in the Y a little bit, just with some of the moves he does. I love it so much. Um, but no, that's, those would be my teams. I like it. And, you know, I'm going to throw this out. I think a team that I said this to Dr. Brent, I said, I think a team that can win some games. I really like St. Mary's. Yeah. I really think that's a very good team to keep an eye. I know they lost last night. Um, 
but I think that's a team that very well coached team. Kuzi's a great point guard. They have a little bit of size. They shoot okay. Watch. I would not be shocked if that team wins two um, in the first weekend and can get in the second weekend. Keep an eye on St. Mary's. Completely agree. Um, I'm still trying. So now that we have some of these conference tourneys ending, I'm still trying to find the underdog, though, the, the little guy who I think is going to advance. And I still haven't found him yet. And we need some teams like North Texas to square away their bid, Vermont, which we think is going to get in. But looking at Lenardi's bracket, man, I don't like either of the matchups those two have. But we all know that a 12 seed, a 13 seed is coming out of here somewhere. It's just you got to find it. A lot of value. I, I'll tell you a team to watch out for is because they can score. And you brought it up, I believe, last podcast. is Princeton out of the Ivy League. If, if they can get a good matchup where somebody likes to go slow pace and Princeton can speed them up and get them into a run and gun, I think they can topple somebody. So that, that's a team I would keep an eye out for. Yeah, I would piggyback on that with a team like Bryant. You know, if they're a 12 or a 13 seed, you know, maybe they catch a play-in game. Uh, they'd be a pretty nasty 12 seed to play. You know, if you're a five seed, they're going to, you know, play hard defense. And I told you they're like a VCU team. Like they're going to beat you on just pure uh, effort out there. They're going to keep the game slow because that's what they want. They don't want to get into a shootout. Um, they're a team, you know, SMU could certainly make a run and beat a couple teams because they shoot the ball really well. They have lockdown defense. Um, again, uh, you have Memphis at the 11 seed projected right now. Like that's a very scary 11 seed. You know, you could probably justify them talent wise on paper to be a top four seed. Obviously it's not played out. So I don't know if they're considered a dog, but per seeding, if you can catch them at a 10 or 11, I think that's your uh, solid dog right there. And, you know, I, I keep reverting back to them, but again, it just goes to show that it's so wide open that you can have a team that deep in that low of a seed shocked last night I, I and you know i'll say it on air i had wagner in that now luckily uh jason said jump on the live under and i did so it kind of even out because man they, brian just jumped on that wagner team but that game like tim said kind of got crazy you know i was telling somebody at work today about the fight but that the best player his name's kiss isn't it i think he leads the nation in scoring for brian which I did yeah. not know that, but I mean, just watching some of the highlights, what a hot dog, the guys like dancing and dropped down and did a bunch of push-ups that actually like scored. And I mean, just a hot dog, man. But yeah, I mean that, I agree. That team can score a lot. That guy gets hot. Watch out for that team. But yeah, what a crazy scene, man, with the fight. Then you didn't even know Wagner was going to come back out. They had like five minutes left in the game and Wagner wasn't coming on the, the court and, I, I even said, I think to you guys, I don't even know if I'd bring them back out. I would just say, hey, we're done. Let's call it a day. But they wanted it. And then they did finish the game. But that was a crazy game. But yeah, Brian, keep an eye on them. Sadly, Q, it looks like that Brian is one of the 16 plans, which I don't get when you have a team like Jacksonville State on a, <laughs> on a 15 line. I, yeah. I mean, bump, bump, bump Brian up. I think that's a little premature, maybe on Lenardi's part. But hey, we got we got time to figure it out. All right, let's switch gears. Um, let's completely switch gears. Let's go to the uh, stir that uh, the straw that stirs the drink. Little NFL talk, real quick, just because of all the action going on. We had Rogers resign. We have the big Russell Wilson trade. Which is Smitty, in your opinion, NQ, in your opinion, which is the next domino to fall 
in the quarterback carousel. Who's going to go where? Just take a little flyer, a little fun, maybe get a little insight from somebody online. Who knows? Smitty, what do you think? Well, I think the rumor we saw today was from Tim's Tim's uh, co-host, uh, Sean, Sean King, saying if Watson gets cleared, that the Steelers are going to be training and getting him in like no time. So now it's interesting. I'm looking on my phone and uh, one of the beat writers for Pittsburgh said that's absolutely false. The Steelers <laughs> want nothing to do with him. And somebody wrote Sean and said, what do you think? And he goes, I already replied to him. I'm sticking with what I've heard or something. So, I, I mean, that's, I mean, how, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, that'd be something if, you know, first he has to get cleared of some charges, but that would be a, that'd be a big one. It'd be interesting to see what the Steelers give up to get him. And I, you know, if some people are going to like that or not, even, you know, even if he's cleared in some people's eyes, he's always going to be guilty. You before uh, I uh, pick your brain here, cough, cough, we're going to hit the commanders. Uh, Carson Wentz, thumbs up, thumbs down, puke, maybe take a shot of tequila, thoughts? Uh, I think they should have just stuck with, with Heineke, what they had. I think they have too many holes offensively and defensively. It showed that they're really not interested in bringing back Sheriff, which I think is a huge mistake, especially when you're going to bring in an injury riddle quarterback to kind of replace that on the salary cap. That just doesn't make sense to me. It's not a great quarterback class. We all know that. The only move I thought they could have made draft-wise um, is Kenny Pickett. I'm not sold on Malik Willis being the next Josh Allen. Um, I, I think if you're not willing to trade up to get Pickett, you obviously didn't land Russell Wilson. You're not going to land Deshaun Watson. Just ride it one more year and build that offensive line or something and get them ready for a new quarterback. Or what I've been saying is they need safety help. They haven't had a good safety since Sean Taylor. I don't know if they're scared to uh, draft that position after the failed attempt with uh, LeRon Landry, but that's a serious need. There's a guy named Kyle Hamilton out there you could trade to the top five and get and probably not give up as much. I just think there's too many holes to, to take a, an injury vertical quarterback uh, who really hasn't played well on paper his entire career. I, I completely agree. I'll actually kind of be very upset if they don't bring Sheriff back. I think he's probably their best lineman. And it doesn't look like things are going well. I think that's a huge loss. And then all the draft beatniks are saying, oh, they need to draft a weapon for – Wentz now get another wide receiver. I think that's the least of their worries right now when they need back-end help on defense, and they're obviously going to need more O-line help. And they don't have that much cap space either. Uh, I, I'd have to break down what it is after this Wentz deal. But, yeah, I'm not liking the direction what's going on here and for our glorious commanders. Uh, Wentz took 28 out of the 33 million cap space that they had. Yeah. That's, well, that's you know, and the, and the thing, not to jump off that team back to the Steelers, but I just said yesterday to old man in the garage, you know, I said, I, I you know, I kind of agree with Q. I know Willis is jumping off the board on some people and, and, you know, Kenny, I like Kenny Pickett, played a pit. I thought he played well, but are these guys franchise? I, I mean, who knows? I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, and I just said to him, would you roll the dice and just say, Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, and bring in like a Tyrod Taylor 
and Andy Dalton and just say, okay, guys, who's going to win the job? And then just, again, the quarterback class looks better next year. And then you keep these picks. And then, again, I like the kid out of Iowa, the center. I like the kid out of northern Iowa on the offensive line. I've been saying offensive line now for two years. Hopefully they do that. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, I'm not trying to say anything about Sean here. I mean, is it true? I don't know. We'll have to see. First, get cleared. Second, are the Steelers even interested in him? We'll have to uh, see. It should be a fun couple of days. I'm going to do one quick. Uh, point because we do like to touch on gambling so you're able to gamble on the draft and that's upcoming there's a hot rumor out there that Malik Willis is going to end up going top five so if you can find some sort of prop that can if your books are offering it I might look into that because nobody really has him slated into a top five spot right now but you know how teams get enamored with these quarterbacks and we all will overdraft for him. So I would take a look at that, see if you, see what kind of plus money you can get on that. Yeah, that's a one there. I'm going to look into that one. All right, Q. Uh, before we finish off with some golf, why don't you hit us with this primo college baseball knowledge, what you got from last week or even upcoming? Yeah, so we've got conference play coming. Uh, a couple – like a team, for instance, I'll jump right into UVA. They're not ranked right now. Uh, they're just – I wouldn't say disrespected. They just haven't played a quality team. They've obviously pounded each team that they've played, and rightfully so. They do have a lot of power. Their pitchers, their top two is Brandon Neek and uh, Nate Savino. They're, they're starting to show off. They've got a big series against Duke. Duke's eight and five, but they've won their last three, um, and it's in Duke. So that'll be huge for UVA. If they take two or three, they're going to be ranked, and I think you'll see them you know, get some serious love. Um, another Virginia team that's kind of uh, running off the charts here is Liberty. Liberty came out of nowhere, took two or three from Florida. They also beat a really good UNC team, one nothing and a doozy. They have one of the best hitters in the game, Derek Horndorf. Um, So I'll be just you know curious to see if this is sustained. Um, and we're talking with Smitty. Texas is just head and shoulders above everybody else. When you look at their lineup, you know it's stacked. Everybody hits almost 300 or over. They have three really good pitchers and Tanner Witt, um, Pete Hansen, and I can't remember the other one. Um, but anyways, they're they're going to be the uh, the heavy favorite, I think, throughout the season. One of the teams I'm really concerned about is Mississippi State. They're not hitting the ball really well, and they pretty much just lost Landon Sims, who might be the number one pitcher in all of college baseball. Uh, he had a uh, some arm pain after he threw a pitch, uh, landed a little awkward, shook it off, and it doesn't look good. Uh, so without them, you know, I'm not sure they're going to make a decent run. And uh, Smitty, two teams that we talked about. So Florida, obviously, it's unbiased, but, uh, you know, I'm pretty fair with them. Last year they had bullpen trouble. Any game that they were in close, they would blow in the bullpen. This year they fixed it. They beat a ranked Miami team on the road, two out of three. So that was huge for them. Uh, they are one of the best hitting teams in the country. I believe they're like second in home runs. So they've got power uh, one through nine, which is good. A lot of uh, senior guys, so that's good there. And then ECU, we talked about them. They are on a five-game win streak, but they're really struggling offensively. They they have eight home runs, if that tells you there's no power. They don't even have their number one pitcher, who was uh, last year their number two, Wizenhunt. They don't know if they're going to get him back. Um, so that's just a team. 
you know, I'll be curious to see that is kind of regional. Um, another team I'll, I'll probably update you with is Tulane. They're getting a lot of love. Uh, the problem is a lot of these teams will start off hot and then they get into their own play and, and they kind of fall off the tracks. Um, and the last thing to watch for is Gonzaga. They got this pitcher named Hughes um, and they, uh, they just took all three from Arizona. I don't think anybody's, or I'm sorry, Okie state. Uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming out of the West. So that'd be a, an interesting team to follow. So that's all I got. Yeah. The weekend, the weekend series, the Shriners was fantastic. Um, it was Saturday night. You had LSU play Texas. I mean, just jam packed with fans. Texas so good. Great pitchers. I mean, they were oh something ERA. I mean, just unbelievable. Uh, they did lose to UCLA Sunday, but their main pitcher got scratched right before. They had a real tough game last night. They played at Texas State. That was a really they were losing in that game. Came back and won. The only team I just real quick. NC State tough week last week. Q. Uh, 0-4 um, over the weekend. And then just keep an eye on this team. I'm 1-1 one one playing their overs this year. I lost by a half a run the first time, but Wright State, Wright State was 1-8 um, coming in, I think, into this week. They've given up in games, nine runs, 16, 9, 26, 7, 13, 5, 9, and 17. So they can give up some runs. But they can also hit a little bit. They can score, too. So keep an eye on those overs this year with Wright State. Interesting you brought up Texas State. I mean, I could take a whole hour to talk about these teams. One thing that's interesting about them, they have six out of their nine starters or fifth-year seniors. So that's continuity and that's consistency. And those guys uh, are building that program up, especially with the guys staying. It's only going to make that program bigger. And it's only 30 minutes outside of Austin. So – you know, if they can get a presence and get some games against Texas and things like that and get some exposure, that's a program that could be on the rise. Um, and then you touched on the Shriners Classic. Two things. One, it was on MLB Network, which is fantastic because it's showing that MLB Network obviously wants baseball to play. They're a network. They're a for-profit. But let's get this game growing. And then to that point, the Astros didn't really think of a crowd uh, issue for this tournament. And they were actually turning fans away because – they underestimated the crowd, which I think is absolutely fantastic for the sport. It shows that there's buy-in and that, and that people are wanting to see the game. Uh, so I hope the Astros, if it's played there next year or if they host some late tournament this year, I hope they come prepared because in the South, baseball is real. If there's not going to be a Major League Baseball, they're going to fill a Major League Baseball stadium up with college fans. Dude, first I want to apologize. Um, since I am – on the fade me route right now and the little jinx last week i said hey keep an eye on mississippi state and boom there it is i gave him the benny mush treatment they got mushed yeah well they have the offensive talent the pitching is what's killing them they lost a couple pitches last year obviously to the draft uh but offensively, there, there's no issue, you know, out on on paper talent. They're just not hitting the ball, and that's the problem. It would it, their their pitchers are just under so much stress. So then you you hang that loss of your Landon Sims number one pitcher. I mean, we'll see what they're made of. You know, defending champs, can they bounce back? They have the talent on paper. It's a long season. Anybody's, you know, in the SEC, so anything can happen. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see this year. So so Matt, it was so funny. So. Been playing the NBA props. Had a really good week last week. Monday night went five and one. So I go to old man in the garage. Hey, I'm going to post. And I tell the boys I'm going to post. So I played six. 
I posted four. Matt jumped and said, hey, I like two of them. I'm going to play with you. So I posted four. Well, I looked at old man in the garage. I said, you know what's going to happen tonight? And he goes, what? I said, guarantee I'm going to lose all four of those that I post. And what did I do? I lost all four of those that I posted. The two that I played and didn't post, they won. And two of them, two of them, Matt, that we, I mean, right there, one was nine and over nine and a half. The guy had nine. Uh, Curry was what, two of nine from three point line. And he had like, I think 10, he needed, I think 11 and a half. I mean, again, it's a loss still, but I mean, I, I knew it. I said to him today, he goes, how'd it go? I said, I told you the ones I posted, oh, oh and four. I told you, buddy, uh, I'm the real live Benny Mush right now. Yeah, yeah I'm going to piggyback and just go get, leave the uh, sports book and just start ripping up those tickets. Well, I'm going to I'm going to put the blame on you. There's two that you tailed with me. I'm going to say that you blew. You Actually, I'm blaming you. I didn't get to do any homework, so <laughs> I didn't play. Right. <laughs> we got ten minutes. Let's uh, top off the show with uh, some golf talk. So we basically have the players championship which is the fifth major in everybody's eyes two things that i really take from early here you have to make the cut these guys are actually going to try to make the cut this is going to be a grind this week the top 65 places the lowest money you can actually get is $43,000 one of the biggest purses there is top 35 you're getting 100k these dudes are going to want to go this this thing. Now, the equalizer we just heard is Thursday, rain, potential storms. Friday, potential storms. Saturday, they're talking a lot of rain and then wind. And Sunday might get, get it back to even. But, man, these guys are going to have to grind. This is a precision course, too. So if you're looking at guys, I would try to fade some of the big bombers. The course is 7,200 yards, par 72, so you do have the par fives to score on. But I believe you have three of the hardest holes on, on all of the PGA. We, of course, know the Island Green, but there's two other holes that rate extremely hard as well. I don't know what they are off the top of my head. So my plays real quick. So I, for my DF, DFS lineup, I have Spieth, Morikawa, Daniel Berger, Corey Connors, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Sergio Garcia, and I went Dylan Fratelli, a little bit of long shot. So the, some of the reasoning behind this is these guys have all actually played well here. Now, Morikawa is probably the favorite going into the clubhouse, I believe, with Rom and Thomas. I think Berger bounces back after his choke job. Corey Connor is one of the best mid-iron games out there and great ball striker. Fitzpatrick plays extremely well here. Even Sergio plays well here. So speed is kind of my wild card, but I like his game overall, a short game, which should help him. Uh, I'll let Smitty jump in with some, some of his picks, and then I'll fire off a couple other bets I have. Yeah, you know, I, I'm trying to get back, back to, you know, got into winning again last week, which was nice. I had um, Kirk top 10 best bet was a winner, and I had uh, Hovland. Um, oh, man, Victor Hovland um, top five, and he got in. So, um so it was nice to get back in the winning uh, one week off there. No, Matt, I kind of like what you said. I mean, you really hit on it. The, the conditions are going to be the biggest thing. I mean, I've heard from some listening to some shows, Saturday's just going to be brutal. I mean, heavy winds, rain. And again, this course is very tough. A lot of water. 
Saturday is going to be extremely tough. I mean, I think they said tomorrow is supposed to be maybe highs in the low 60s, and they said that's probably going to be the warmest day for the tournament. You hit on some, you know, Morikawa I have down. Um, I have, you know, I have a lot of names. I'll finalize tonight like I always do. I'll put it on Twitter like I've been doing. Um, Berger I have down to Matt on my sheet. Fitzpatrick I do. Uh, Kepka I have down. Condition-wise, I like Shane Lowry in conditions. And Alex Noren I kind of like in conditions too. So I'm looking kind of at that. I kind of like Gary Woodland. I have Gary Woodland down too because uh, maybe a top 10 play. Not bad price last night. I looked at plus 700 on that, uh, looking at that. But I kind of like um, Alex Noren, I think at a, not a bad, not a bad price for even a top 20. I think it was like plus 350. So that's not a bad for a top 20. But uh, those are just some names, you know, Justin Thomas is a returning champ in this. Um, but again, I, I'm kind of right with you with some of those names, Berger, Fitzpatrick, uh, Morikawa, I like, but also I would maybe look at Shane Lowry, Gary Woodland, Alex Noren um, to maybe get in the top 10 and top 20 and see the odds and try to win. But I'll finalize tonight um, with my plays and I'll put it out on Twitter. Sweet. So for you listeners, uh, it's at Smitty Bucks. Uh, so that's where he will post his plays. He will also post them on our actual site, which is at Notebook Wagering. I'm Matt. If you follow Matt, and then we have at Q Mills. Jason couldn't be with us tonight, and he posts as well at Notebook Wagering JCam. You guys have any other uh, finishing points you want to fire off? Yeah, you guys. You didn't even give me the opportunity to talk golf. A little upset. Oh, I didn't know you had any plays there, buddy. Well, I just played in the old Sunday, March sixth, uh, pro am down at the old old Hickory Country Club. New driver, had to work it in, hit a couple fairways, had a slight slice. We'll, we'll work on that. Putting was really great. Don't know what greens. They were fast. Uh, couldn't tell you the type of grass. And uh, irons. Irons were actually very well. I was uh, in a rough most of the day, but I, I had great irons. Um, if I had to pick the, uh, the the iron I played the most, probably about a seven iron. And I was hitting it very well. So uh, stay tuned. I'll keep giving you. When you guys talk real golf and win people money, I'll tell you about how I spent golf at the course and didn't shoot that well. <laughs> All right. Well, now that I know that I got a quick question for you. Did you drink more beers or have more three putts? So I actually was sober this time because I had plenty of high noons uh, the day before for my son's birthday party. High noons, if you're listening, my fridge is empty. I need more and they cost a tad more than beer um, on a fireman's budget. It doesn't work well. So if we can get a sponsorship and uh, you just send me more, let's work on that. <laughs> All right, that, fellas, great stuff. Uh, yeah, just be we'll I, my last thing. I'll be firing. You know, let's get some college winners going here, and um, you know, I might tail some accused baseball. I usually try to look at one or two and um, post myself. Uh, but no, best of luck out there, and uh, I hope everyone has a great weekend and can cash some tickets. All right, everybody, check us out at Notebook Wagering. We've had some new people. Shoot us some questions. Don't be afraid. Hit us up. Questions, concerns, likes, dislikes, anything. Maybe you just want to rip on Smitty. Have a great night, everybody. Bang your bookies. Thanks for listening to the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And be sure to follow at Notebook Wagering. 
Until next time.